Forever Dog. Welcome to Forever Dog. You can listen to this podcast ad-free on Forever Dog Plus by signing up at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on social at Forever Dog Team and check out all of our podcasts at foreverdogpodcasts.com. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Forever Dog. Welcome to Public Domain Theater with Kelly Nugent and poor bedridden Lindsay Katai and guest Travis McElroy. Welcome to Public Domain Theater. Usually Lindsay does this part. Uh, I am Kelly Nugent. Uh, this is the show with highbrow readings and lowbrow commentary. Uh, poor, poor Lindsay ate a nut and she didn't know it and now is ill. Uh, but I am here and I am so lucky. I am so lucky, y'all. I am joined uh, by professional podcaster. You may know him from My Brother, My Brother and Me, from Adventure Zone, from Schmanners. It's like I said before, professional podcaster Travis McElroy. Hi. Hello. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for hanging out with me and reading a reading a little schmied with me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so I also just realized that as prof- my voices sound a little rough. This is like my eighth recording in two days. Holy yeah. crap. I well, I like to cram as many like yeah. guesting on stuff when I'm in LA as possible. Uh-huh. And I woke up this morning and was like, Oh, I've talked too much. <laughs> Um, every time I talk too much, I think of, and I think this might be from an Eddie Murphy movie of some kind, where they say that, like, I, it, I think it's in VO, and they're like, so-and-so had always learned that you had a certain amount of words in your life, and if you said them all, then you die. There's a, what, what I, is that? That is an Eddie Murphy movie, and it's like a premise, of, it, uh, and it's like a tree or something, and every yeah. word he says, a leaf falls off the tree or something. Yeah. I never saw it, but I remember seeing previews I Yeah, I it. don't know what it is, but anyway, there's no way to find out, um, and don't add us on it. Uh, we're going to be reading William Wilson. You know, this whole time I thought it said William Williamson? William Wilson by Edgar Allan Poe. Are you familiar with uh, this story? I'm not. And I know a lot of Poe stories. They sound, listen, I'm sure it's great. And yeah. I'm excited to read it. But it does just sound like a story about like his neighbor. I know. It sounds like, like a Z-team story. Yeah. Like, uh, Brett. I don't know where Brett scraped this up. But like somebody was like, Poe, we need a story right now. Uh, okay, um, give me five minutes. <laughs> and he's like looking around and he sees his neighbor like mowing his lawn. He's like, William Wilson. <laughs> was mowing his lawn and I don't know, maybe the lawnmower was haunted. Is this anything? <laughs> and is they're that, like, we that, got it. That's good. good. Enough. This is good. Nailed it. Um, Did you read a lot uh, when you were younger or now? Yeah. I mean, now I, I'm... A huge like audiobook fan. Mm. There's something I it, one I I find that I don't now as an adult, especially uh, I have an 18 month old daughter. I don't have the time to just right. like sit and read. Um, and also I have attention deficit disorder. I have ADD. So mm. like if I sit down, my brain goes. There's so many other things we could be doing. Yeah. Um. But, and so audiobooks are great because I can do other stuff while I listen. But when I was a kid, I was a voracious reader. Yeah. Like I had a stack of books next to my bed, and I would stay up for like three days in a row, just like reading. Oh my I god. Sleep at night. And one of my <laughs> this is a fun memory that I think of often. I because I'm a dork. I remember once being in. I think it was maybe like 
sixth grade mm. and we were in a class and we were reading through a story. Maybe I was younger. Maybe it was like fifth grade. But we were reading a story like in class and it got to this like really huge part where like the kids and the mine shaft barely got saved and avoid. And like, I like shouted like, yes. And like everybody in class <laughs> laughed at me. Cause I was like too caught up in the moment. It's like dork. And I was like, but uh. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I know. That is a really dorky thing to do though. Right. Um, but we, pro- I, I was a huge, huge dork also, especially during that time, the sixth grade middle school years. That was like, Probably rock bottom for me. Or um, you could say peak. Peak, peak right? Peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from one end, uh, the uh, a, a nadir is an apex. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, had, a, when you were talking about that, I had this memory. Um, I don't know if I've shared it on this show, but uh, <laughs> we had this like read-a-thon thing in mm-hmm. sixth grade where like you would count how many books you've read and then you get, every kid had like a little strip of paper that was going around the room and whoever had the longest strip of paper like got to be i don't know the best i don't know it was yeah. just like you some probably got like a small personal pizza or something exactly yeah. it was like the book it thing you yes. got a pizza hut yes coupon oh, I love that. um and this girl okay i was always bullied a lot but there was one girl who was like less cool than me and this was my one moment of bullying i'm not proud of it i I will admit it out here. Annie, I'm sorry I bullied you in this one moment. It was, I've been on that other side. I feel bad about it. But so she was beating me and I hated it. And I suspected that she was lying. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I just got so mad at her one day and we we're sitting and she sat like diagonal for me. It was like tables where you'd face each other. And so me and her were diagonal. And I just got so mad because she like brought the books she was going to report as being read and she plomped them on the table. It's this big, tall pile of them. And I, I think I just told her I hated her and then I was going to kill her. Oh, no. Yeah, like it was, I was like, I'm going to. Oh, that's what I was like. I'm going to murder you and bury <laughs> pieces oh, no. of your body all over. And you were what grade? <laughs> Sixth grade. Oh, no. So I went from like zero to 100. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think I'd ever threatened anybody before. <laughs> Dismember a book competition. I, <laughs> I know. I did not resort to threatening anyone's no, life, but I did right. lie a lot when I like. Yeah. I was in. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I was in the talented and gifted class. What, uh, uh, you were in Gate. Were uh, you it in was Gate? tag for okay, us. For us, it was Gate. And um, I can't. Once again, I can't remember what the prize was. Well, I think it was just bragging rights, or we like we had to read a certain amount of books. And you get like a ten dollar gift card to Scholastic. Something. It was like nothing. Yeah. And I remember I read every other page of treasure island and then took the test and got like a hundred percent on it. And it was like, and I remember thinking like, well, yeah, on the one hand, it's not great that I did that. But on the other hand, what kind of test is it that I passed? Like a hundred percent. I only read 50% of the book. That's so funny. You know what? But I think you taught them something that day. Or, well, I didn't tell them. Or they, you taught- oh no, they might be listening. Oh, you know what? Oh, they're going to take it back. Oh no, not my $10 gift card. <laughs> Uh, they can Venmo request you $10. Here's how um, big a dork I was. Mm. One last thing. I remember being in an English class and uh, hiding under my desk the actual book I was reading and reading it during I was reading The Talisman when I was 13. What is The Talisman? A Stephen King book. And it's like 1,200 oh. pages long. And uh, it's also about like a 10-year-old boy who goes through some stuff. Yeah. And like it's... I tried to read again as an adult and I was so uncomfortable on his behalf. I couldn't. 
Yeah. Where as a kid, I was reading like, this is great. Yeah. Um, but I remember like hiding my book underneath while like I had my textbook open to the story we were supposed to be reading. And I remember thinking like, I'm such a rebel. <laughs> yes. It's those little things when you're like kind of a dorky kid. That yeah. is so cute. <laughs> you're like, man, I am cool. They don't even know how cool I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they're like, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We uh, none of us do. Please, let maybe us someday know. you'll have a podcast where you talk about how cool you are, <laughs> and I do, and I am. You, I mean, you do every five minutes talk about how cool. Like, yeah, every I mean, five I minutes you're to. like, okay, ugh, four, three, two, one. Did I mention that I'm so I'm pretty cool? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty cool guy. Everyone loves it. Yeah, everyone loves it. Um, okay, so what do we know about Edgar Allan Poe? He loved birds. He loved birds. He wouldn't shut up about dang ravens. He liked cats. He liked cats. He's a spooky guy. He loved spookiness. He, he, we were treated to, and this will be, I believe, our second. So Brett took another whack at (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe, wrote up another. We're going to see how much um, editorializing is happening here in this, in this bio, because Brett does editorialize sometimes in these. Okay, so he was born in 1809, died 1849. We already knew that from last time, Brett. Bo Come on, Brett. was born in Boston, second child of two actors. His father abandoned the family in 1810 and his mother died the following year. Thus orphaned. I think that's a, I think that's a Brett line. Thus orphaned? Thus orphaned? Brett. I really like Brett. I don't know why this is becoming dunking on Brett, but I do really like that you feel the need to clarify that because both of his parents died, it led to him becoming an orphan. The child was taken in by John and Francis Allen of Richmond, Virginia. They never formally adopted him, but Poe was with them well into young adulthood. Tension developed later as John Allen and Edgar repeatedly clashed over debts, including those incurred by gambling, the cost of a secondary edu- and the cost of secondary education for the young man. Poe attended University of Virginia, but left after uh, he ran out of funds. Let there be a lesson, kids. You don't need a college diploma. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Just don't even do it. Yeah. Who needs college? No one. Uh, I'm just kidding. Stay in school. Stay in school. Work hard. Uh, if you want to. But only if you want to, but mostly follow your dreams. Um, Poe switched his focus to writing prose, spent the next several years working for literary journals and periodicals, becoming known for his own style of literary criticism. His work forced him to move among several cities, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York City, and Richmond in 1836. What? He married Virginia Clem, his 13-year-old cousin. You didn't know that? No. That's one of the few things I know about him. What? She was like his second cousin. Not that that. Not that that matters, but the 13 is like the biggest issue for me personally. Yeah. What? Poe. Poe. Come on. How could you? You seem like such a normal guy otherwise. Otherwise, you seemed like you were, you you seemed like you really enjoyed being clean and. Like you had it together, you uh, know. Wake up early to bed, early to rise. Um. In January uh, 1845, he published The Raven to instant success. Oh, but then his baby wife died of tuberculosis two years after publication. Well, and wait, you said 45 is when he published The Raven? Yeah, 1845. So that was only like four years before he died? Before she died. But then he died in 49, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. What? It's almost like a story he would write. Wow. If you think about it. The irony. Okay, so he died, yeah, 1849, age 40 in Baltimore. Cause of his death is unknown, has been variously attrib- attributed attributed to alcohol, brain congestion, cholera, drugs, heart disease, rabies, suicide, tuberculosis, and other agents. 
I always think it's interesting. This is a bit of a tangent, but no, when somebody dies and it's so on point for them, how mm-hmm. they die, like that, this guy who was like a mystery horror writer died and no one's quite sure how like he was found in clothes too small for him just like on a park bench and like nobody knows why or exactly how he died are you being for real yeah absolutely what clothes too small for him on a park bench yeah i think just like laying out like disoriented on a park bench and like nobody knows how he got there or why and like yeah that what yeah and and so like I always think about like Houdini and how Houdini died and it was like he yes. died on on Halloween yeah and like from like a stunt gone wrong because him getting punched in the stomach but it's just like such a showy flashy way to die it was so Houdini that it's I like know. too on point and you mentioned the Halloween thing and it's funny because he was so like the anti spiritualism yeah. movement too so then it's like oh but the spiritualists won right. Oh my God. It's just when somebody dies on point, I'm like, no, come on. Stop. Come what? on. Do you want to know a weird thing I recently learned from Sarah Tell Val books? Me now. Um, I was listening to Assassination Vacation by Sarah Val, mm-hmm. and she talks about that. Uh, so, John Wilkes Booth's older brother, Edwin Booth, mm-hmm. was this like super famous, incredibly talented Shakespearean actor. Okay. Hugely beloved. And during the 1860s, I can't remember what year. He saved a man's life who had fallen on a, like railroad tracks, mm-hmm. and that man was Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like small world, right? Oh my god! I know that's insane. I know. I've been like, <laughs> I've told literally everyone I've talked to. Yeah, said I mean, about how that. could you not? I also want to say I have not researched that myself and fact check it. So I'm really going on Sarah Val's yeah, word here. Yeah. Okay. Well, please don't at me. <laughs> Because if it's not true, don't ruin it for me because it's a fun story I get to tell. There's a lot of times, like if I'm telling a thing and people are like, is that true? I'm like, just like, let me believe it is. Listen, your life isn't going to change at all if Edwin Booth didn't save Robert Tom Lincoln. But it's improved my life, my excitement, my enjoyment of life thinking it's true. So please don't ruin it for me. It's Unless a, it is true, and then you can tell me. Yeah, but there, I mean, there are those people that like are just this like vacuum of fun, and they just want to like correct you and ruin all of your hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, stay in your lane. <laughs> Don't at me. Don't at me. Um. All right, let's get into William Wilson. Or Wilson Williams. Williamson's Wilsons. Willie Old Bill Wilson. They call him. All right. And feel free to interrupt at any time. Okay. Should we need to speak about anything? Let me call myself for the present William Wilson. The fair page now lying before me need not be sullied with my real appellation. This has already been too much of an object for the scorn, for the horror, for the detestation of my race. To the uttermost regions of the globe have not the indignant winds brooded its unparalleled infamy? Oh, outcast of outcasts most abandoned. To the earth art thou not forever dead? Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I worked at a Shakespeare company for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, during the Q&As, one of my favorite questions was, do you think he'll ever translate this into English? (laughs) And I think about that sometimes when I listen to this and I'm like, I know the words he's saying and I understand the things he's saying. But I'm willing to bet that Poe is getting paid by the words, yep. <laughs> you know, that this is going out in a magazine and yep. he had to hit it because there's a lot of words in there just to say, so like, many. I'm not going to give you my real name. And some people don't like me. Yep. Yep. To its honors, to its flowers, to its golden aspirations and a cloud dense 
dismal and limitless, does it not hang eternally between thy hopes in heaven? I would not, if I could, here today, embody a record of my later years of unspeakable misery, 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 and pardonable crime. This epoch, these later years, took unto themselves a sudden elevation in turpitude. Who's, okay, well, la di da things. All right. Whose origin alone it is my present purpose to assign? Men usually grow base by degrees. For me, in an instant, all virtue dropped bodily as a mantle. Okay, so he was like, I turned quick. Oh, see, <laughs> this is what I love. I, I love this idea of, I'm willing to bet, I don't, I'm not a sociologist, that might surprise sure, you. Sure, 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 sure. But um, I'm willing to bet that there was a certain fascination with Poe's writing because he would write from the point of view of like people doing terrible things during a time when like people were really like repressed. Mm-hmm. And it was like, let me tell you why I did it and then I'm happy I did it and why I'm yes. great. And it's like, oh, how hot, oh, I can't even believe that this person exists. Yes, this reminds me of the like fascination with like morbid shit mm-hmm. in the Victorian times, which is yep. basically what this is, where it's like, oh, but we're so repressed, but like, ooh, I'm no titillated. Um, yeah. From com- comparatively trivial wickedness, I passed with the stride of a giant into more than the enormities of an elagabalus. No idea. No idea. Moving on. What chance? What one event brought this evil thing to pass? Bear with me while I relate. Love right? that. Love right? that. I'm going to get to that thing. Don't you <laughs> even worry about but it. But first, I have, to, I have some stuff I have to. Oh, I'll oh, get to it. Oh, that thing. Okay. You're not going to want to miss it. Death approaches, and the shadow which foreruns him has thrown a softening influence over my spirit. I long, in passing through the dim valley, for the sympathy. I had nearly said for the pity of my fellow men. I would fain have them believe that I have been in some measure the slave of circumstances beyond human control. I would wish them to seek out for me, in the details I am about to give, some Uh little oasis of fatality amid a wilderness of error. I would have them allow what they cannot refrain from allowing, that, through temptation, may have erewhile existed as great. Man was never thus, at least, tempted before. Certainly, never thus fell. Brett, did you write your uh, thing after you read this? Because there's a lot of thus happening here. I just didn't know you'd be so uh, uh, openly derivative. And I do. I also love this is another thing that because I'm reminded of Telltale Heart in this is like this weird kind of even beyond pride, the narcissism about like where he says, like, I was never so tempted and no one's fallen as far as me. Like pride in the deprivation that he has sunk to. Yes, this is like a Californication thing. Right, it's so interesting. so dark. Yeah, but it also is like, okay, because it's written like a confession and there's something very, there's one of my, uh, when when I was watching Mindhunter, Mm -hmm. I love like any kind of like uh, confession scene, Mm -hmm. listening to someone proud of this horrible thing they did. Because it's like a secret language. Is so good in Mindhunter that plays, um, what's his name? Uh, the serial killer. Uh, can't remember, but it's so good. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, and is it therefore that he has never thus suffered? Have I not indeed been living in a dream? And am I not now dying a victim to the horror and the mystery of the wildest of all sublunary visions? I am the descendant of a race whose imaginative and easily excitable temperament has at all times rendered them remarkable. And in my earliest infancy... I gave evidence of having fully inherited the family character. Mm, 
So it's a, it's a family thing. Okay. As I advanced in years, it was more strongly developed, becoming, for many reasons, a cause of serious disquietude to my friends and of positive injury to myself. I grew self-willed, addicted to the wildest capri- caprices? I don't know. Caprices? It's probably uh, connected to capriciousness. Yeah, so the, I feel like caprices, maybe? Yeah, like the, the wildest impulses. Wildest whims. Yeah. Yeah. And a prey to the most ungovernable passions. Yeah, he, he's basically just, you know, word counting it up. Yep. And also. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, this, which also means this. And if you think about it, kind of this, too. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Weak-minded and beset with constitutional infirmities, infirmities akin to my own, my parents could do but little to check the evil propensities which distinguished me. He's Dexter. Oh, oh shit. This is some Dexter shit. He's got a dark passenger. Yes. Some feeble and ill-directed efforts resulted in complete failure on their part, and of course, in total triumph on mine. Thenceforward, my voice was a household law, and at an age when few children have abandoned their leading strings, I was left to the guidance of my own will. Wow. Then so they like, gave up. Yeah, like my his parents are like, what are we going to do with this kid? I don't know. Let him run the show. <laughs> They're like, uh, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, this very quickly went from Dexter to problem child. Yeah, we, so we have to talk about Kevin. Uh, and became, in all but name, the master of my own actions. My earliest recollections of school life are connected with a large, rambling Elizabethan house in a misty-looking village of England, where there were a vast number of gigantic and gnarled trees, and where all the houses were excessively ancient. In truth, it was a dreamlike, dreamlike and spirit-soothing place, that venerable old town. At this moment, in fancy, I feel the refreshing chilliness of its deeply shadowed avenues, inhale the fragrance of its thousand shrubberies, and thrill anew with undefinable delight at the deep hollow note of the church bell breaking each hour with sullen and sudden roar upon the stillness of the dusky atmosphere in which the fretted Gothic steeple lay embedded and asleep. Can I be really dorky for a second? Sure. What I really love about what just happened in that mm-hmm. story is that he goes from what is almost like a manic ramble of like, and this, and you'll never believe, to like this really coherent and like good, like clear through line thought of like, when I think about this serene place, not only does he calm down, but his line of thought clears and it's much easier to follow than the first chunk. Yes. Where it's so erratic that it's like, wait, what do you slow down, slow down, slow down? Yeah. And then when he thinks about this place that he describes as serene and peaceful, the writing style changes to serene and peaceful. Yes. And the writing style changes totally to like rather than this other thing that's like grandiose ideas, like big statements of like overarching, like this is what the world is. And then this is like things that are in the moment and a lot of imagery and yeah. like feeling. Yeah. So it's like, I feel the this and it goes from very abstract yes. to very concrete yes. descriptions where he's talking about gnarled trees and yes. you know, the, the cold mists and stuff where it's like, okay, what you've just done is gone from painting a picture of yourself to painting a picture of a thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing is a lot clearer than yourself. It, it, yes. It's almost like Poe is a really good writer. Almost. I know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And it's also very like, uh, a very clear description of something that's always the same, mm-hmm. which is a memory of something. And he is, as he said, changing, or at least has changed. It gives me, perhaps, as much of pleasure as I can now in any manner experience to dwell upon minute recollections of the school and its concerns. Steeped in misery as I am, misery, alas, only too real. I shall be pardoned <laughs> for seeking relief. 
<laughs> However slight and temporary in the weakness of a few rambling details, let me then remember. The house. How quaint an old building was this? To me, how veritably a palace of enchantment. There really was no end to its windings, to its incomprehensible subdivisions. It was difficult at any given time to say with certainty upon which two of its stories one happened to be. From each room to every other, there was sure to be found three or four steps, either in ascent or descent. Then the lateral branches were innumerable, inconceivable, and so returning in upon themselves that our most exact ideas in regard to the whole mansion were not very far different from those when we pondered upon infinity. Dude, this is like okay. House of um, House of Leaves. House of Leaves. Does anyone know that book? It also is just like you're describing like a tri-level. We get it, dude. I know. This okay, is like a, you this live is in a mid-century modern. Okay. Cool. He's like, it has a sunken living room. Yeah, not so great, dude. We get it. Uh, you went on House Hunters and you found a house. <laughs> we get it. Tell me more about the open concept. <laughs> During the five years upon my re of my residence here, I was never able to ascertain with precision in what remote locality lay the little sleeping apartment assigned to myself and some 18 or 20 other scholars. He couldn't find his room? Is that what that Is says? he saying? I had the whole time I was there, I never found my room. Wait, so this whole time he's like sleeping, like he's he's like sleeping in the Harry Potter closets the whole time. I mean, it probably means like if you had asked me to yeah, point at it from outside, couldn't I couldn't know. tell you. But it kind of sounds like I just, I never slept. <laughs> I like, could never find my room. I couldn't find my room. They told first day, they said it's room 202. And I was like, okay, never found it. <laughs> never found it. I slept in room 145. I slept in every room, but my, well, here's the weird thing. You get to room 201. Straight to 203. I don't know what happened. I couldn't find it. <laughs> the schoolroom was the largest of the house. I could not help thinking in the world. It was very long, narrow, and dismally low, with pointed gothic windows and a ceiling of oak. It has also just occurred to me yeah. that the beginning of this story mm -hmm. is like, oh, you're never going to believe the levels of depravity to which I sunk. No one's ever fallen so far. Yeah. But first... So there was this house. Yes. And it had some steps. Yes. Oh, and the all oh, the door. Hold on, what? What are you? Yeah. What did you do? It, it sounds like someone being like, um, I guess I should start from the beginning. I was born. And, right. and it's like, okay, we can skip. Okay, like, cool. There cool, was cool. a gate. Did you murder somebody? <laughs> what did I'll, you do? No, bear with me for I shall get there. No, yeah, no, no, no. Breakfast did you was kill? held okay, at yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. every yeah, morning. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Did you kill somebody? Stairs, three at a time. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But also, did you like put somebody in a wall or something? Is that a thing you did? Well, funny you should mention that because there was this window. No, 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 no. Go back, go back, go back. <laughs> Interspersed about the room, crossing and recrossing in endless irregularity were innumerable benches and desks, black, ancient, and time-worn, piled desperately with much bethumbed books, and so beseamed with initial letters, names at full length, grotesque figures, and other multiplied efforts of the knife as to have entirely lost what little of original form might have been their portion in days long departed. A huge bucket with water stood at one extremity of the room. What? Why would a bucket of water be there? It doesn't go anywhere from there? With a clock of stupendous dimensions at the other. So there's like a bucket with water and then a big old clock. Okay. Eh. What? Encompassed by the massy walls of this venerable academy, I passed, yet not in tedium or disgust, the years of the third lustrum of my life. And I never found a, poet, a point for the bucket, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, can't, I said, why the bucket? And they said, shut up. And I said, okay. Perhaps the answer was in my room. Well, but I'll never know. <laughs> I missed that place and its bucket. <laughs> 
the teeming. I miss that bucket oh, more I than any. Bucket. Oh, oh, friend, bucket. Bucket. I long for you like I yearn for death. My one true brother, Bucket. <laughs> the teeming brain of childhood requires no external world of incident to occupy or amuse it, and the apparently dismal monotony of its school was replete with more intense excitement than my riper youth has derived from luxury or my full manhood from crime. Yet, okay, wait, but what crime? What crime? <laughs> Yet I must believe that my first <sighs> mental development had in it much of the uncommon, even much of the outra. Upon mankind at large, the events of very early existence rarely leave in mature age any definite impression. All is gray shadow, a weak and irregular remembrance, an indistinct regathering of feeble pleasures and phantasmagoric pains. With me, this is not so. In childhood, I must have felt with the energy of a man what I now find stamped upon memory in lines as vivid, as deep, and as durable as the exergies of the Carthaginian metals. Okay. Cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yet in fact, in the fact of the world's view, how little there was to remember. The morning's awakening, the night, nightly summons to bed, the connings, the recitations, the periodical half-holidays, the perambulations, the playground with its broils, its pastimes, its intrigues. On the playground is where I spend most, <laughs> most of, of my, my days. days. Chill out, Maxon. <laughs> These by a mental sorcery long forgotten, were made to involve a wilderness of sensation, a world of rich incident, a universe of varied emotion, of excitement the most passionate and spirit-stirring. Oh, le bon temps! Que ce cycle de fer! I do not Nailed speak it. French! Nailed it! That was spot on! <laughs> Thank you so much! You killed that! French is my fourth favorite language! You killed it! In truth, the ardor, the enthusiasm, and the imperiousness of my disposition soon rendered me a marked character among my schoolmates. Do you think everybody that read this story when it first came out knew French? Or do you think, like, half the people are like, what? What is this? Does <laughs> anybody know what this says? Anybody? No? And there's no way to know. Huh. So they're like, oh, right? we gotta go to France. They can't type it into Google to yeah. translate. They, they just have to find a French they person. To go find a French person. Is anybody here French? Oh, no. <laughs> All right, we'll try next door. And then just on and on down the street. <laughs> You're a baker, right? Are you French? And by slow but natural gradations gave me an ascendancy over not all greatly older than myself, over all with a single exception. This exception was found in the person of a scholar through, although no relation, bore the same Christian and surname as myself. Wait, what? what? So this person... Has the same name as him. Has the exact, exact same, name. same name. No, you know what? That's weird to me now, but back then everybody was called John Smith. That's so right. That probably that's balances right. out. That's right. I'm surprised the story's not like, and there were 18 other kids <laughs> with the same name as me because there were only four names. A circumstance, in fact, little remarkable for notwithstanding a noble descent, mine was one of those everyday appellations which seem by prescriptive right to have been time out of mind, the common property of the mob. In this narrative, I have therefore designated myself as William Wilson, a fictitious title not very dissimilar to the real. My name is John Johnson. <laughs> Pete Peterson. <laughs> Jack Johnson. <laughs> um, for uh, a while, I kept forgetting what my boyfriend's middle name was, and his name is Micah J. Gordon. And I thought 
his middle name was Jordan for a while. And he's like, you think my name is Micah Jordan Gordon? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do. I do. Prove me wrong. <laughs> you can't. You can't. can't prove a negative, mm-hmm. huh? Can't prove it. My namesake alone, of those who in our school phraseology constituted our set, presumed to compete with me in the studies of the class, in the sports and broils of the playground, to refuse implicit belief in my assertions and submission to my will. Indeed, to interfere with my arbitrary dictation in any respect whatsoever. If there is on earth a supreme and unqualified despotism, it is the despotism of the mastermind in boyhood over the less than energetic spirits of its companions. Okay. So is that saying like, hey, this kid who had the same name as me, like, was my rival? Yeah, I think it's his nemesis. But he's like a little older? Is the he's a scholar? I don't know why I keep blaming Brett. Is he older? <laughs> is, <laughs> is he the older? Kid older? Do you is know? He older? He's shaking his head. He's not older. He's the same kid. He's, yeah, okay. he's, yeah, the same exact age. Because same here's the age. thing: what's nice, really nice, nice, nice. To continue on my armchair psychology, yeah. if our narrator is a narcissist, yeah, it is interesting to me that this kid who has the same name as him, he sees himself competing with, yeah, and I'm willing to bet that in real life this other kid wasn't doing it on purpose. You no, know, this other kid doesn't even know he exists. Right, he's like, like doing his own thing. He's definitely not like trying to be a jerk to yeah. Willie Wilson. Yeah, he's just like there also. Yeah, and he's like, oh, that kid's always out to get me. Yeah, and I don't think he is. Yes, and there's a. Uh, it reminds me of that um, that idea uh, for improv of status, where it's like the person that cares more is lower status. Yeah. Classic. It's cool not to care. Drop it's cool out. not to care, dude. Drop, Drop out, out. Turn off. Yeah. Fuck Tune it. In. Fuck what it. What is it? Tune in. Fuck Tune it. Tune in. Fuck it. Swim on the beach. Other fishes. Other fishes in the ocean. In the ocean. Lots of boats out there. Lots of boats. As Get on say. board. Toot toot. Get on board. Tune out. Wait. No. Tune no. in. Tune in. Wait. Drop out. Wait. wait drop wait, in. Wait. Come on by. C- come on by. Water on is warm. Okay. Okay. If you can't stand the heat. Three's company. Yeah. (laughs) Wilson's rebellion was to me a source of the greatest embarrassment, the more so as in spite of the bravado, which with the public, I made a point of treating him and his pretensions. I secretly felt that I feared him and could not help thinking the equality, which he maintained so easily with myself, a proof of his true superiority since not to be overcome cost me perpetual struggle. Yet this superiority, even this equality was in truth acknowledged by no one but myself. Our associates by some unaccountable blindness seem to not even suspect it. Right, yes, see, there it is. Nobody else sees him doing this except Willie. And everyone is literally like, everyone's like, nobody, like he doesn't care about you. I don't know why. And he's like, yeah, but did you see that? Like he totally. He cut me off and it's like, no, No. the teacher called on him. What are you talking about? Like literally like he, I don't even think he's ever looked at you. (sighs) Although there were times when I could not help observing with a feeling made up of wonder, embarrassment and pique that he mingled with his injuries, his insults or his contradictions, a certain most inappropriate and assuredly most unwelcome affectionateness of manner he was um, nice he's nice he and he's like he's being fake and it's like no he's just nice no, he's nice i could only conceive this singular behavior to arise from a consummate self-conceit assuming the vulgar airs of patronage and protection this is what i love right because yeah. the things that we dislike in others are the things that we dislike in ourselves absolutely and so what willie is saying is like 
uh, and I knew he was faking it because I fake it. Yeah. Right. Because like everything that he's saying when he talks about like the bravado and when he says like, I was worried that I was afraid of him. Yeah. It was because he's like, wait, is he doing the same thing I'm doing? Yeah. Because I'm being fake. And if he's behaving that way, then he must be fake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally looking at things through a narcissistic. What Instead of being like, oh, people operate differently. It's yeah. like, no, I know what he's thinking because like. I'm like him. Everybody thinks like me. Yeah, like, exactly. And so if I behave like this because of the reasons I do, he must be behaving yes. that way for the same reasons. Yeah. Perhaps it was this latter trait in Wilson's conduct conjoined with our identity of name and the mere accident of our having entered the school upon the same day, which set afloat the notion that we were brothers among the senior classes in the academy. These do not usually inquire with such strictness into the affairs of their juniors. I've before said, or should have said that Wilson was not in the remote, in the most remote degree connected with my family. But assuredly, if we had been brothers, we must have been twins. For after leaving Dr. Bransby's, I casually learned that my namesake was born on the 19th of January, 1813. This is a somewhat remarkable coincidence for that day. It's precisely that of my own nativity. Wait, is this kid Tyler Durden? Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. I think this, this is, is a thinking. Tyler Durden. This yeah, is a classic yeah, 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 Tyler yeah, 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 Classic, classic Tyler classic Durden. Classic TD. Classic. It may seem strange that in spite of the continual anxiety occasioned me by the rivalry of Wilson and his intolerable spirit of contradiction, I could not bring myself to hate him altogether. We had, to be sure, nearly every day a quarrel in which, yielding me publicly the palm of victory, he in some manner contrived to make me feel that it was he who had observed it. Yet a sense of pride on my part and a veritable dignity on his own kept us always upon what we are calling speaking terms. While there were many points of strong congeniality in our tempers, operating to awake in me a sentiment which our position alone, perhaps, prevented from ripening into friendship. Okay, this is becoming like a teenager's diary. Yeah, no, this is... And like, we were frenemies, but like... Like, uh, and don't get me wrong, we like hung out all the time, but I did not like him, but I kind of liked him. Don't worry about it. Shut up. It is difficult indeed to define or even to describe my real feelings towards him. They formed a motley and heterogeneous ad admixture. Some petulant animosity, which was not yet hatred, some esteem, more respect, much fear with a world of uneasy curiosity. To the moralist, it will be unnecessary to say, in addition, that Wilson and myself were the most inseparable of companions. Okay. So All they right. were frenemies, for sure. Okay, Tyler Durden. Except, you know, they were not the same person. It was no doubt the anomalous state of affairs existing between us, which turned all my attacks upon him, and they were many, either open or, convert, or, or co covert, into the channel of banter or practical joke, giving pain while assuming the aspect of mere fun rather than into a more serious and determined hostility. But my endeavors on this head were by no means uniformly successful, even when my plans were the most wittily concocted. For my namesake had much about him in character of that unassuming and quiet austerity, which, while enjoying the poignancy of its own jokes, has no heel of Achilles in itself and absolutely refuses to be laughed at. I could find, indeed, but one vulnerable point, and that lying in a personal peculiarity arising perhaps from constitutional disease, would have been spared by any antagonist less at his wit's end than myself. My rival had a weakness in the fauchial or guttural organs, which precluded him from raising his voice at any time above a very low whisper. This is totally... He can't talk loud, so I bet you nobody even hears him. I bet you the only person that hears him is our fucking narrator. Okay. 
I also, is that a thing? No, that's is not that, fake as shit. Is this a thing where like, you know. How, you know that thing? You know that thing where this person can speak louder than a whisper? Like, wait, what? <laughs> it's because of his guts. His like guts don't, like they're sick. His so guttural he can't, organs? His guttural organs, like they won't let him speak louder than a whisper. Oh, that. Yeah. Of My this, aunt had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of this defect, I did not fail to take what poor advantage lay in my power. Wilson's retaliations in kind were many. And there was one form of his practical wit that disturbed me beyond measure. How his sagacity, 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 sagacity first discovered at all that so petty a thing would vex me is a question I never could solve. But having discovered, he habitually practiced the annoyance. I had always felt aversion to my uncourtly patronymic. And it's very common, if not plebeian, praenomen. What? That has an A with the E next to A. What is that? What does any of this mean? Now, can I say, now I'm worried that I said that. And yeah. what if like not being able to speak above a whisper is like a really common thing? I, know. I don't mean, listen, I am not making fun. I am no. asking sincerely, sincerely. Is this a thing? Is it a thing? That happens or is this a complete invention by Mr. Poe? This is going to end with like, and it was all, he was, he existed and I existed and it was all real. And it was all real. And you know what? We're still friends today. We're Anyways, so- now I die. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was the school I went to. Bye. <laughs> Okay, but is this saying that it's saying, what he says, like that annoyance, is he talking about like this person's low voice? No, he's saying that he hasn't even gotten to it yet. Okay. He's literally like, he's talking so much about how he gets annoyed all the time. So the words were venom in my ears. And when upon the day of my arrival, a second William Wilson also came to the academy, I felt angry with him for bearing the name and doubly disgusted with the name because a stranger bore it, who would be the cause of its twofold repetition, who would constantly be in my presence and whose concerns in the ordinary routine of the school business must inevitably, on account of the detestable coincidence, be often confounded with my own. Or maybe not. I don't know. He's just like annoyed he exists. Okay. The feeling of vexation thus engendered gr- grew stronger with every circumstance tending to show resemblance, moral or physical, between the rival and myself. I had not then discovered the remarkable fact that we were of the same age, but I saw that we were of the same height and I perceived we were even singularly alike in general contour of person and outline of feature. Okay, so when I looked in a mirror, I saw him. He was always there with me. He's always on on the other side of a mirror. (sighs) Okay. I was galled to by the rumor touching a relationship which had grown current in upper forms in a word, nothing could more seriously disturb me. Although, wait, is he saying a rumor that they're like together, or just a rumor that they're very that close? they have a relationship? Huh. Right. I mean, it probably. I I don't know. I think he's. I, I think he's going to explain this relationship. Okay. Any allusion to a similarity of mind, person, or condition existing between us. I think it's people saying like that they're similar. Okay. But in truth, I had no reason to believe that with the exception of the matter of relationship and in the case of William himself, this similarity had ever been made the subject of comment or even observed at all by our school fellows that he observed it in all of its bearing and as fixedly as I was apparent, but that he could discover in such circumstances so fruitful a field of annoyance can only be attributed, as I said before, to his more than ordinary penetration. Huh? <clears throat> penetration? Okay. His cue, which was to perfect an imitation of myself, lay both in words and in actions. And most admirably did he play his part. My dress, it was an easy matter to copy. 
my gait and general manner were without difficulty appropriated. In spite of his constitutional defect, even my voice did not escape him. My louder tones were, of course, unattempted. But then the key, it was identical. And his singular whisper, it grew the very echo of my own. So this was the annoyance is he was copying him. Y- yeah. Like he he's was like doing taking an his impression life. of him. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> he's like talented Mr. Ripleying him. That, I think that's exactly what's going on. Great. He is talented Mr. Durdening him. Durdening him. <laughs> I had but one consolation in the fact that the imitation apparently was noticed by myself alone and that I had to endure only the knowing and strangely sarcastic smiles of my namesake himself. Satisfied with having produced in my bosom the intended effect, he seemed to chuckle in secret over the sting he had inflicted and was characteristically disregardful of the public applause with the success of his witty endeavors might have so easily elicited that the school indeed did not feel his design, perceive its accomplishment, and participate in his sneer was, for many anxious months, a riddle that I could not resolve. I have already more than once spoken of the disgusting air of patronage which he assumed toward me and of my of his frequent officious interference with my will. This interference often took the ungracious character of advice, advice not openly given, but hinted or insinuated. He's talking to him. Yeah. Telling him what to do. I res- but it also very much seems like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, oh, did you hear what he said? He <laughs> said it was nice. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, he didn't. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He just said it was nice. He said it was nice. Oh, you know what he meant. I received it with a repugnance, which gained strength as I grew in years. Yet at this distant day, let me do him the simple justice to acknowledge that I can recall no occasion when the suggestions of my rival were on the side of those errors or follies so usual to his immature age and seeming inexperience. So he was right. Like yeah, he, he, was, he was right. He was right. And he's like, yeah, but like, he's just like, he doesn't know why he's right. That his moral sense, at least, if not his general talents and worldly wisdom, was far keener than mine own. Oh, he's smarter than him. Yeah. And that I might, today, have been a better and thus a happier man had I less frequently rejected the counsels embodied in those meaning whispers, which I then but too cordially hated and too bitterly despised. Okay. Yeah. Um, Listen, I was joking about Tyler Durden before. Yeah. But this does sound like this other person is his conscience. Yeah. Who's like, hey, maybe don't do that. And he's like, shut up. I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah. And then later he's like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done it. I've said that in the first years of our connection as schoolmates. My feelings in regard to him might have been easily ripened into friendship. But in the latter months of my residence at the academy, although the intrusion of his ordinary manner had, beyond doubt, in some measure abated, there's a lot of commas yeah. in here. Yeah. It's okay. a long sentence. I'm going to read it out loud. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I have said that, comma, in the first years of our connection as schoolmates, comma, my feelings in regard to him might have been easily ripened to friendship, semicolon, but, comma, no. in the latter months of my residence at the academy, comma, although the intrusion of his ordinary matter had, comma, beyond no. doubt, comma, no. in some measure, comma, no. abated, comma, no. my no. sentiments, comma, no. in nearly similar proportion, comma, partook very much of positive hatred, period. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> Do you think he's trying to be more conversational there? I don't know. Well, see, this might go back to once again, like mm-hmm. where he goes into this like rambling. Yeah. Like chain I can of picture thought. it like getting like he's like ramping up. And, right this, and let me tell you this. Yeah. And I know it seems like this and it's this, but it's this and it never. And like he's not getting to a point upon one occasion. He saw this, I think, and afterwards avoided or made a show of avoiding me. It was about the same period, if I remember right. 
that in an altercation of violence with him, in which he was more than usually thrown off his guard, and spoke and acted with an openness of demeanor rather foreign to his nature, I discovered, or fancied I discovered, in his accent, his air, and general appearance, a something which first startled and then deeply interested me. By bringing to mind dim visions of my earliest infancy, wild, confused, and thronging memories of a time when memory herself was yet unborn, I cannot better describe the sensation which oppressed me than by saying that I could with difficulty shake off the belief of my having keen, excuse me, of having been acquainted with the being who stood before me at some epoch long ago. Wait, what? Wait, what? Some point of the past, even infinitely remote. The delusion, however, faded rapidly as it came, and I mentioned it at all, but to define the day of the last conversation I there held with my singular namesake. Okay, so he got in a fight yeah. with this person, and the way that this person reacted reminded him of himself? Or like seemed like, like from the past? Like that they might have actually been twins and forgotten about each other or something. Yeah. That he suddenly had this like feeling of it's like, like I've known you connection. forever. Yeah. Is he Tyler Durden? Wait, Brett, if he's Tyler Durden, Brett, 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 Brett. It's the law. It's, or it's entrapment. If you <laughs> don't tell us. One night about the close close of my fifth year at the school, and immediately after the altercation just mentioned, finding everyone wrapped in sleep, I rose from bed and, lamp in hand, stole through a wilderness of narrow passages from my own bedroom to that of my rival. I had long <gasps> been plotting one of those ill-natured no, pieces no, of no. practical wit. Oh, yes. Now we're He's getting gonna to the thing. He's going to prank him in his room, but He's going to prank him real prank. good. He's going to prank him. Is he going to prank him with death? Oh, God, that's the prank to end all pranks. Yeah, you don't come back from that one. It goes death and then bucket of water on the door. <laughs> it's the next level. That's what that bucket's for. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. oh no. <laughs> and I put his hand seed. in the bucket. Oh, he planted that seed so early. Oh, my God. If we get to him drowning Wilson in that bucket, we're going to lose our minds. I'm going to scream for 10 hours straight. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I rose from bed and lamp in hand stole through a wilderness of narrow passages from my own bedroom to that of my rival. I'd long been plotting one of those ill-natured pieces of practical wit at his expense in which I had hitherto been so uniformly unsuccessful. It was my intention now to put my scheme in operation, and I resolved to make him feel the whole extent of the malice with which I was imbued. Having reached his closet, I noiselessly entered, leaving the lamp with a shade over it on the outside. I advanced a step and listened to the sound of his tranquil breathing. Oh, my God. Assured of being asleep, assured of his being asleep, I returned, took the light, and with it again approached the bed. Closed curtains were around it, which, in the prosecution of my plan, I slowly and quietly withdrew. When the bright rays fell vividly upon the sleeper and mine eyes at the same moment upon his countenance, I looked, and a numbness and iciness of feeling instantly pervaded my frame. What? My breast heaved, my knees tottered, my whole spirit became possessed of an objectless yet intolerable horror. Gasping for breath, I lowered the lamp in still nearer proximity to the face, where these, these, the lineaments of William Wilson. I saw indeed that they were his, but I shook as if with a fit of the ague in fancying they were not. What was there about them to confound me in this manner? I gazed while my brain reeled with a multitude of incoherent thoughts. Not thus he appeared, assuredly not thus, in the vivacity of his waking hours. 
the same name, the same contour of person, the same day of arrival at the academy, and then his dogged and meaningless imitations of my gait, my voice, my habits, and my manner. Was it, in truth, within the bounds of human possibility, that what I now saw was the result merely of the habitual practice of this sarcastic imitation? <gasps> Awe-stricken and with a creeping shudder, I extinguished the lamp, passed silently from the chamber, and left at once the halls of that ad- old academy, never to enter them again. Wait, so he looked... And it was him. And it was him. Like this person. It's him sleeping. Yeah, so well, in his mind, or to him, it was like looking upon himself yeah. sleeping. And, and he's he, like, how could he be doing this... Even when he's, even when he's asleep. sleeping. Like, or is it just that he's done the imitation so much that now he always now looks like this? Now he's me. Um, after a lapse of some months spent at home in mere idleness, I found myself a student at Eton. The brief interval had been sufficient to enfeeble my remembrance of the events at Dr. Bransby's, or at least to affect a uh, a material change in the nature of the feelings with which I remembered them. The truth, the tragedy of the drama was no more. I could now find room to doubt the evidence of my senses and seldom called up the subject at all, but with wonder at the extent of human credulity. And a smile at the vivid force of the imagination which I hereditarily possessed. Neither was this species of skepticism likely to be diminished by the character of the life I led at Eton. The vortex of thought of thoughtless folly into which I there so immediately and so recklessly plunged washed away all but the froth of my past hours. Oh, he's doing like his like college years. Oh, yeah. Engulfed at once every solid or in serious impression and left to memory only the veriest levities of a former existence. It was all a dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I oh, God. It. Yeah, I, I it's imagine all, it. Oh, he's it's having some time away from it. So he's right. like, you know what? It's It wasn't even real. I do not wish, however, to trace the course of my miserable profligacy here. And then he makes me say it again. A profligacy <laughs> which set at defiance the laws while it eluded the vigilance of the institution. Three years of folly passed without profit had but given me rooted habits of vice and added in a somewhat unusual degree to my bodily stature. When... After a week of soulless dissipation, I invited a small party of the most dissolute students to a secret carousal in my chambers. I threw a party. A secret carousal? Yeah. We hey met. guys, I was just wondering if you wanted to swing by for a secret carousal. I always have a secret carousal. If you could not tell anybody, that'd be great. I don't want to get my carousal busted up. <laughs> and don't tell everybody, okay, because it's just going to be a small carousal. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it like pretty intimate, just like more like a hangout carousal than a party. So just don't make it a big deal, okay? But if you have any snacks, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We met at a late hour of the night, for our debaucheries were to be faithfully protracted until morning. The wine flowed freely, nice, and there were not wanting other and perhaps more dangerous seductions, Ooh. so that the gray dawn had already faintly appeared in the east, while our delirious extravagance was at its height. Madly flushed with cards and intoxication, I was in the act of insisting upon a toast of more than wanted profanity when my attention was suddenly diverted to the violent, although partial, unclosing of the door of the apartment and by the eager voice of a servant from without. He said that some person, apparently in great haste, demanded to speak with me in the hall. Dang, who could it be? It's Tyler Durden. (laughs) And then it was Tyler Durden. Whoa! Whoa! Wildly excited with wine, the unexpected interruption rather delighted than surprised me. I staggered forward at once, and a few steps brought me to the vestibule of the building. In this low and small room, there hung no lamp, and now no light at all was admitted, save that of the exceedingly feeble dawn, which made its way through the semicircular window. 
As I put my foot over the threshold, I became aware of the figure of a youth about my own height and habited in a white kersim, probably cashmere. I'm going to go with cashmere, even though mm. that's not the word. Kersimir, morning frock, cut in the novel fashion of the one I myself wore at the moment. What? Wait, so that guy's wearing a white one. Is he wearing a black one? No, it's exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same? They're dressed <gasps> the same and they look the same and they're the same height. Oh my God. This faint, this faint light enabled me to perceive, but the features of his face I could not distinguish. Upon my entering, he strode hurriedly up to me and seized me by the arm with a gesture of petulant impatience, whispered the words, William Wilson, in my ear. Oh my God. I grew perfectly sober in an instant. There was that in the manner of the stranger and in the tremulous shake of his uplifted finger as he held it between my eyes and the light, which filled me with unqualified amazement. But it was not this which had so violently moved me. It was the pregnancy of solemn admonition in the singular low hissing utterance. And above all, it was the character, the tone, the key of those few simple and familiar yet whispered syllables, which came with a thousand thousand thronging memories of bygone days and struck upon my soul with the shock of a galvanic battery. Ere I could recover the use of my senses, he was gone. Although this event failed not of a vivid effect upon my disordered imagination, yet was it evanescent. Yep. There's that. Yep. Just like the band. Yet was it, (laughs) yet was it evanescence. Yet was it a band. Um, Yet was it evanescent as vivid. For some weeks, indeed, I busied myself in earnest inquiry or was wrapped in a cloud of morbid speculation. I did not pretend to disguise from my perception the identity of the singular individual who thus perseveringly interfered with my affairs, but harassed me with his insulated counsel. But who and what was this Wilson? And whence came he? And what were his purposes? Upon neither of these points could I be satisfied merely ascertaining in regard to him that a sudden accident in his family had caused his removal from Dr. Bransby's academy on the afternoon of the day in which I myself had eloped. Of course. Of course. But in a brief period, I ceased to think upon the subject, my attention being all absorbed in a contemplated departure for Oxford. Thither I soon went. Thither. Thither. Thither I soon went. Thither I soon went. The uncalculating vanity of my parents furnishing me with an outfit, an annual establishment, which would enable me to indulge at will in the luxury already so dear to my heart, to vie in profuseness of expenditure with the haughtiness heirs of the wealthiest, with the haughtiest heirs of the wealthiest earldoms in Great Britain. The hottest heirs and the hottest earls. (laughs) Check it out in Oxford, unleashed. (laughs) Excited by such appliances to vice, my my constitutional temperament broke forth with redoubled ardor, and I spurned even the common restraints of decency in the mad infatuation of my revels. But it were so it were absurd to pause in the detail of my extravagance. Let it suffice that among spendthrifts, I outherited Herod. It's a good line. Ooh. So he's he, now he's doing a little bit of retail therapy. Yeah. Trying to forget about his past. I could hardly be credited, however, that I had even there so utterly fallen from the gentlemanly estate as to seek acquaintance with the vilest arts of the gambler by profession. And having become an adept in his disip- despicable silence, and having become an adept in his despicable science, to practice it habitually as a means of increasing my already enormous income at the expense of the weak-minded among my fellow collegians. So he's like, 
he's fleecing like, people. He's like he's, Ponzi scheming people. Yeah. Well, he's 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 what's it called? What what's it called when you like hustle? He's hustling. Yeah, he's though. hustling. Who indeed among my most abandoned associates would not rather have disputed the clearest evidence of his senses than have suspected of such courses the gay, the frank, the generous William Wilson, the noblest and most liberal commoner at Oxford, him whose follies, said his parasites, were but follies of youth and unbridled fancy, whose errors but inimitable whim, whose darkest vices but a careless and dashing extravagance. What? Huh? Who would not have rather... Oh, I see. So, like, even though he was doing all this stuff, they were just like, "Oh, it's just you know, boys will be boys." Yeah, right. As there were definitely people like, "Oh, he wouldn't." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely like hustling them, and yeah. they didn't know it. Yeah, I think is what he said. Everyone just thought he was just being a silly, silly boy. Yeah, that no one knew that he had done all this gambling stuff right. and gotten really good at it. Okay, I have been now two years successfully busied in this way. When there came to the university a young parvenu, nobleman, Glendinning, rich, said report, as Herodotus, wait, Herodotus Atticus? Okay. Okay. Who, his riches, too, as easily acquired. He's a mark. He's an easy mark. Mm, Nice, nice, nice. He wants to get money from him. I soon found him of weak intellect and, of course, marked him as a fitting subject for my skill. Sounds like Dwight Schrute. Mm Mm-hmm. He says that. It really does. Weak intellect. He's got weak intellect. (laughs) <laughs> I frequently engaged him in play and contrived with the gambler's usual art to let him win considerable sums, the more effectually to entangle him in my snares. He is hustling. He's totally, he's like uh, pool sharking him. Right. But like with cards, I assume. Card sharking? Card sharking. That sounds I'm like sure a thing. That's a thing. It kind of sounds like a thing. I don't know. At length, my schemes begin being ripe. I met him with the full intention that this meeting should be final and decisive at the chambers of a fellow commoner Mr. Preston. He put Mr. President in parentheses like, Mr. Preston? Oh, you, you know, Mr. Preston. You know, don't the, worry about fellow it. Fellow commoner, Mr. Preston. It doesn't matter. It's Mr. Preston. Anyways, equally <laughs> intimate with both, but who, to do him justice, entertained not even a remote suspicion of my design. Nice. To give to this a better coloring, I had contrived to have assembled a party of some eight or ten and was solicitously careful that the introduction of cards should appear accidental. And ah, a, mm-hmm. He's like, whoa, whoa oh, you guys. poker. And originate in the proposal of my con, uh, contempla- contemplated dupe himself. So he's going to make him think it's his idea. Oh, classic, classic. To be brief upon a vile topic, none of the low finesse was omitted, so customary upon similar occasions that it is a just matter for wonder how any are still found so besotted as to fall its victim. He's like, man, how could anyone be this stupid? Yep. Uh, We had protracted our sitting far into the night, and I had at length affected the maneuver of getting Glendinning as my sole antagonist. The game, too, (laughs) was my favorite, a cart. I don't know that game. I don't know that game. The rest of the company, interested in the extent of our play, had abandoned their own cards and were standing around as the spectators. Oh, nice. The, par- the parvenu, who had been induced by my artifices in the early part of the evening to drink deeply, now shuffled, dealt, or played with a wild nervousness of manner for oh. which his intoxication, I thought, might partially but could not altogether account. In a very short period, he became my debtor to a large amount. When, having taken a long draft of port, he did precisely what I had been coolly anticipating. He proposed to double our already extravagant stakes. With a well-feigned show of reluctance, and not until after my repeated refusal had seduced him into some angry words, which gave a color of pique to my compliance, did I finally comply. Cool. 
The result, of course, did but prove how entirely the prey was in my toils. In, <laughs> in my toils. In my toils. In my toilet. <laughs> it's and a bucket. It's, he's in my bucket. <laughs> you know the old gambling phrase, he's, he's in, in my, my bucket. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> right, man, yeah, I was out last night, I was playing cards, I ended up in the bucket so hard. <laughs> I would, you know what, I would, like, understand that. Though. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, it was bad. Oof. I mean, it turned out the whole time I was just creeping into the bucket and I didn't even know oh, it. I was just straight buckets all night. I was just sinking lower and lower in the bucket, you guys. Uh, f- let's see. Uh, the result, of course, did but prove how entirely the prey was in my toils. In less than an hour, he had quadrupled his debt. No! Oh, my God. For- Glendlin, stop. Come on, Glendenning. For, which is one name. I'm going to clear. Glendenning? His name is not Glenn. Denning. It's, it's Glendenning. That's Yes. Nice. Glendenning. Glendenning. Now on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Denning. Glenn Denning is a jerk. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I say to my astonishment, Glenn Denning had been represented to my eager inquiries as immeasurably wealthy, and the sums which he had yet as, had as yet lost, although in themselves vast, could not, I supposed, very seriously annoy, much less so violently affect him. That he was overcome by wine just swallowed was the idea which most readily presented itself, and rather with a view to the preservation of my own character in the eyes of my associates than from any less interested motive, I was about to insist peremptorily upon a discontinuance of the play, when some expressions at my elbow from another among the company and an ejaculation evincing utter despair of the on the part of Glendenning gave me to understand that I had affected his total ruin under circumstances which, rendering him an object for the pity of all, should have protected him from the ill offices even of a fiend. <gasps> Wait. Wait. Okay. What is he about to do to so, Glendenning? I don't I think it's what he already did. So he like destroyed him. Well, yeah, financially. I think I think he was under the impression that this dude was like super oh, rich. Oh, but he's just a common guy. But it might be that, or maybe, maybe he got rid not. of all this stuff. Yeah. No. What now might have been my conduct? It is difficult to say. The pitiable condition of my dupe had thrown an air of embarrassed gloom over all. Oh my god! Everyone's like, Ooh, let's leave. Oh, this is awkward. He's broke. Um, <laughs> he's ruined. Let's get out of here. Um, and for some moments, a profound silence was maintained. During, oh my God, it's just silent. <laughs> I, I really like the wording here of a profound silence was maintained. maintained. Like, let's see if we can keep this up, everybody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, a profound silence was maintained, during which I could not help feeling my cheeks tingle with the many burning glances of scorn or reproach cast upon me by the less abandoned of the party. I will even own that an intolerable weight of anxiety was for a brief instant lifted from my bosom by the sudden and extraordinary interruptions which ensued. The wide, heavy folding doors of the apartment were all at once thrown open to their full extent with a vigorous and rushing impetuosity that extinguished, as if by magic, every candle in the room. Their light and dying enabled us just to perceive that a stranger had entered about my own height oh my and God. closely muffled in a cloak. the same fucking clothes? The darkness, however, was now total, and we could only feel that he was standing in our midst. Before any one of us could recover from the extreme astonishment into which his rudeness had thrown all... <laughs> Everyone's just like, wow, rude. Whoa, rude intruder. We heard the voice of the intruder. Gentlemen, he said, in a low, distinct, and never-to-be-forgotten whisper, which oh my God. thrilled to the very marrow of my Stop. bones. Gentlemen, I make no apology for this behavior because in thus behaving, I am but fulfilling a duty. You are beyond doubt 
uninformed of the true character of the person who has tonight won at a cart a large sum of money from Lord Glendinning. I will therefore put you upon an expeditious and decisive plan of obtaining this very necessary information. Please to examine at your leisure the what? inner linings of the cuff of what? his left sleeve and the several little packages which may be found in the somewhat capacious pockets of his embroidered morning wrapper. Dang, so he cheats like for real cheat. Yeah. I thought he was just a hustler, but he's cheating. He's cheating. <gasps> and he cheats so good. Okay, so that's what I was saying earlier, that he cheats so good that nobody knows Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. While he spoke, so profound was the stillness that one might have heard a pin drop upon the floor. In ceasing, he departed at once, and as abruptly as he had entered, can I, shall I, describe my sensations? Must I say that I felt all the horrors of the damned? Most assuredly, I had little time for reflection. Many hands roughly seized upon me, seized me upon the spot, and lights were immediately re-procured. A search ensued. In the lining of my sleeve were found all the ca- court cards essential in a cart, and in the pockets of my wrapper, a number of packs facsimiles of those used at our sittings with the single exception that mine were of the species called technically arondis the honors being slightly convex at the end the lower cards slightly convex at the sides in this disposition the dupe who cuts as customary at the length of the pack will invariably find that he cuts his antagonist an honor while the gambler cutting at the breadth will certainly cut nothing for his victims which may count in the records of the game Anyways, that's how I cheated. Where was I when yeah. I was talking about the school? <laughs> um, any burst of indignation upon the discovery would have affected me less than the silent contempt or the sarcastic composure with which it was received. Mr. Wilson, said our host, stooping to remove from beneath his feet an exceedingly luxurious cloak of rare furs. Mr. Wilson, this is your property. The weather was cold, and upon quitting my own room, I had p- thrown a cloak over my dressing wrapper, putting it off upon reaching the scene of play. I presume it is supergatory super, super to seek here, eyeing the folds of the garment with a bitter smile, for any farther evidence of your skill. Indeed, we have had enough. You will see the necessity, I hope, of quitting Oxford at all, Oxford, oh. at all events, of quitting instantly my chambers. Oh, my God. Well, because there were, like, people from the school there. Yeah. Oh, you idiot. You dummy. You idiot. Oh, Wilson. Icarus. Wilson. Have done that. Wilson. Abased, humbled to the dust as I was then. That is a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Humbled to the dust. Mm-hmm. Humbled to the dust as I then was. It is probable that I should have resented this galling language by immediate personal violence had not my whole attention been at the moment arrested by a fact that the most startling character, uh, a fact of the most startling character. What? The cloak which I had worn was of a rare description of fur. How rare, how extravagantly costly, I shall not venture to how say. How rare is it? So rare. <laughs> um, its fashion, too, was of my own fantastic event- invention. For I was right. fastidious. I mean, you can just say it was like unique. It was like baller. It was for, so fantastic of my invention. For I was fastidious to an absurd degree of coxcombery. In matters of this frivolous nature, when, therefore, Mr. Preston reached me that which he had picked up upon the floor and near the folding doors of the apartment, it was with an astonished, nearly bordering on astonishment, nearly bordering upon terror that I perceived my own already hanging on my arm where I had no (gasps) doubt unwittingly placed it. Oh, my God. It's the fucking other guy's jacket. Wait, but then how could there be two jackets? And I thought he was Tyler Durden. That's what I thought too. 
Wait a minute. So then how? Oh, my fucking Wait, God. wait a fucking second. Okay. <laughs> it was the bucket. Uh. And that, <laughs> the bucket did it. <laughs> you got me again, bucket. Um, and that the one presented me was but its exact counterpart in every and even the minutest possible particular. The singular being who had so disastrously exposed me had been muffled, I remembered, in a cloak, and none had been worn at all by any of the members of our party, with the exception of myself. Retaining some presence of mind, I took the one offered me by Preston, placed it unnoticed over my own, left the apartment with a resolute scowl of defiance, and next morning, ere dawn of day, commenced a hurried journey from Oxford to the continent in a perfect agony of horror and shame. I fled in vain. No, he's there. It's in italics. Yeah, nice, nice. He's like whispering it. I fled in vain. Wait, but then does that mean that which Will 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 is talking? Which Willie Wilson? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, my evil destiny pursued me as if in exultation, and proved indeed that the exercise of its mysterious dominion had as yet only begun. Scarcely had I set foot in Paris ere I had been. Ere I had fresh evidence of the detestable interest taken by this Wilson in my concerns. Years flew while I experienced no relief. Villain, at Rome, with how untimely, yet with how spectral an officiousness, stepped he in between me and my ambition. At Vienna, too, at Berlin, and at Moscow, where, in truth, had I not bitter cause to curse him within my heart? From his excrutable tyranny did I at length flee, panic-stricken as from a pestilence, and to the very ends of the earth I fled in vain. Then again, and again, in secret communion with my own spirit, would I demand the question, who is he? Whence came he? And what are his objects? We're all wondering that. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I add, but no answer was there found. Oh, God. And now I scrutinized with a minute scrutiny minute the scrutiny. forms and the methods and the leading traits of his impertinent supervision. But even here, there was very little upon which to base a conjecture. You got to kill him. He's, I'm going to have to kill him. You have and to. And that's when I realized, like, well, I'm going to have to kill him. You have to. All beans, going to have to kill him. <laughs> oh. It was noticeable, indeed, that in no one of the multiplied instances in which he had of late crossed my path, had he so crossed it except to frustrate those schemes or to disturb those actions which, if fully carried out, might have resulted in bitter mischief. Poor justification, this, in truth, for an authority so imperiously assumed poor indemnity for natural rights of self-agency so pertinaciously, so insultingly denied. I had also been forced to notice that my tormentor for a very long period of time, while scrupulously and with miraculous dexterity maintaining his whim of an identity of apparel with myself, had so contrived it in the execution of his varied interference with my will that I saw not at any moment the features of his face. Be Wilson what he might, this, at least, was but the veriest of effect, affectation or of folly. Could he, for an instant, have supposed that 
in my admonisher at Eton, in the destroyer of my honor at Oxford, in him who thwarted my ambition at Rome, my revenge at Paris, my passionate love at Naples, or what he falsely termed my avarice in Egypt, that in this, my arch enemy and evil genius, I could fail to recognize the William Wilson of my schoolboy days, the namesake, the companion, the rival, the hated and dreaded rival at Dr. Bransby's, impossible. But let me hasten to the last eventful scene of the drama. I have now reached the thing. Yeah. Let me tell you about the thing. Thus far, I had succumbed supinely to this imperious domination. The sentiment of deep awe with which I habitually regarded the elevated character, the majestic wisdom, the apparent omnipresence and omnipotence of Wilson added to a feeling of even terror with which certain other traits in his nature and assumptions inspired me had operated hitherto to impress me with an idea of my own utter weakness and helplessness and to suggest an implicit, although bitterly reluctant submission to his arbitrary will. But of late days, I had given myself up entirely to wine, and its maddening Mm. influence upon my hereditary temper rendered me more and more impatient of control. I began to murmur, to hesitate, to resist, and was it only fancy which induced me to believe that with the increase of my own firmness, that of that of my tormentor underwent a proportional diminution, Mm. be this as it may. I now began to feel the inspiration of a burning hope and at length nurtured in my secret thoughts a stern and desperate resolution that I would submit no longer to be enslaved. It was Rome during the carnival of 18... It says just dash, dash, dash here. Are we to fill okay. that in as well? 18. He's like, it needs to always be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> fill oh, it in. I bet that's it. Yeah. I bet it's like people are going to read this for at least another 50 years. <laughs> It was the Rome during the carnival of 2018. <laughs> what? How did he? That I attended a masquerade in the palazzo of oh, the Neapolitan no. Duke Already. de Broglio. Masquerade? I know. He's going to come up to you in his mask. Or someone's going to get put in a wall, Brett. Someone get put in a wall? Because that happens a lot. Someone oh, going to get put in a wall? Yeah, he's going to be built into a wall. <sighs> someone's going to get put in a wall. You heard it here first, folks. Someone's going to get put, put into in a wall. wall. Oh, man, I was so deep in the bucket, and I thought I could clam my way back out, and they put me in a wall. <laughs> Steal me in a wall, you guys. And there was a cat in there, too. It was Horrible. really fucking weird. Horrible. Horrible. I'm still scarred from that story. From the cat in the wall? From the fact that he- That's not what it's called, of course. No, it's not called the cat called in the wall. Called, it's the cat in the wall. The cat in the wall by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I am scarred from when he poked out the cat's eyeball. Yeah, there's a lot of messed up stuff in there. Yeah. Poe? It was a love hate relationship with cats and birds. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I had indulged more freely than usual in the excesses of the wine table. Oh, you gotta watch out with that. Dionysus. And now the suffocating atmosphere of the crowded rooms irritated me beyond endurance. Mm. The difficulty, too, of forcing my way through the mazes of the company contributed not a little to the ruffling of my temper. I get it, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get that. For I was anxiously seeking, let me not say with what unworthy motive, the young, the gay, the beautiful wife of the aged and doting de Broglio. Whoa, honey, don't go fishing in that pond. With a too unscrupulous confidence, she had previously communicated to me the secret of the costume in which she would be habited. And now having oh, caught she's a, in on it. Oh yeah, my god. She's dumb. Having caught a glimpse of her person, I was hurrying to make my way into her presence. At this moment I felt a light hand placed upon <laughs> my shoulder, and that ever remembered low damnable whisper oh within my, god. my ear. 
in an absolute frenzy of wrath, I turned at once upon him, who thus who had thus interrupted me, and seized him violently by the collar. He was attired, as I had expected, in a costume altogether sim- similar to my own, yeah. wearing a Spanish cloak of blue velvet, oh, yeah. begirt about the waist with a crimson belt, uh-huh. sustaining a rapier, a mask of black silk entirely covered his face. Scoundrel, I said in a voice husky with rage, while every syllable I uttered seemed as new fuel to my fury. Scoundrel, imposter, accursed villain, you shall not, you shall not dog me unto death. Follow me or I stab you where you stand. (laughs) Follow me. God. And I broke my way from the ballroom into a small antechamber adjoining, dragging him unresisting with me as I went. Upon entering, I thrust him furiously behind me. He staggered against the wall while I closed the door with an oath and commanded him to draw. He hesitated, but for an instant. Then he's going to make, they're going to sword fight? They're going to sword fight. What? (laughs) There's other ways to resolve it. Not in 18 from (laughs) memory. With a slight sigh. Drew in silence and put himself upon his defense. The contest was brief indeed. I was frantic with every species of wild excitement and felt within my single arm the energy and power of a multitude. In a few seconds, I forced him by sheer strength against the wainscoting and thus getting him at mercy, plunged my sword with brute ferocity repeatedly through (gasps) and through his bosom. No! At that at that instant, oh my God. some person tried the latch of the door. No, I'm in here. I'm stabbing someone. Uh, occupied. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, no, no, come back later. <laughs> Why well, stabbing? Uh, let me alone. <laughs> I hastened to prevent to prevent an intrusion, and then immediately returned to my dying antagonist. But what human language can adequately portray that astonishment? That horror which possessed me at the spectacle then presented to view. The brief moment in which I averted my eyes had been sufficient to produce apparently material change in the arrangements of the upper or farther end of the room. A large mirror, so at first it seemed to me in my confusion, now stood where none had been perceptible before. And as I stepped up to it in extremity of terror, mine own image, but with features all pale and stabbed in blood, forced, advanced to meet me with feeble and tottering gait. Thus in appearance, oh, sorry, thus it appeared, I say, but was not. It was my antagonist. It was Wilson, who then stood before me in the agonies of his dissolution. His mask and cloak lay where he had thrown them upon the floor. Not a thread in all his railment, not a line in all the marked and singular lineaments of his face, which was not, even in the most absolute identity, mine own. Wait, what? It's a different guy? No, that's what he's saying. It's like, when I look at this, you are me. Wait, it was Wilson. Yeah. But he spoke no longer in a whisper. And I could have fancied that I myself was speaking while he said, you have conquered and I yield. Oh, oh, oh. Yet henceforward art thou also dead, dead to the world, to heaven and to hope. In me didst thou exist. And in my death, see this image, which is thine own, how utterly thou hast murdered thyself. So it is Tyler Durden, right? He's killing himself. He That's killed- the end. The yeah. end. What? The end. Yeah, he killed himself. Because, okay, remember... Back oh, yeah, at the beginning yeah, yeah, of the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, I'm dying. That's right. Oh, shit. Now I'm going to scroll back to the beginning. 
Let me call for myself the fair page now lying before me need not be sullied with my real appellation. This has been already too much an object for the score and the horror. Blah, 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 um, so he um, killed himself for sure. Does it hang internal between thy hopes and heaven? I went on here today and body over. Uh, yes, yes. So he just he just walked into this side in this little bathroom and then stabbed himself a bunch and then looked in the mirror and was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Brett, is that is it? Is that what it is? Brett says kind of. Or is, wait, hold on. Is this, or, a, is this or, a metaphor, Brett? Or, or. Did you just make us or, read an hour and a half long metaphor? Wait, did he kill. Get out of here. Did he kill his his conscience and then now he's a psychopath? He's he's doing like, okay, he's still doing like the hand that's like kind of, kind of. Okay, he's doing two thumbs up. Okay, so what we are to interpret is okay. if we do not take this. Okay. Did he kill another rando guy? No. This seems no. to me like there are three options that you could okay. take this. Okay. The one option is that he has like attacked himself and it right. is a Tyler Durden scenario. The other is that it is another person that is like identical to him and he is uh delusionally seeing this person as identical to him. But I think what it's supposed to be is that this person is his consciousness in form. Yeah. And so like, that's why he can never see him because it is himself. Mm -hmm. But then again, also that's kind of horseshit because there is a second jacket and like a servant yeah. is like, Hey, there's someone at the door. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes it confusing also. Cause yeah, I was thinking that maybe it would be that one because then he like looks down and he's actually taken off his like cloak and was like stabbing the cloak. Maybe what it is, is that it is a, a person of his own. Okay, this is what I think it is. Okay, I think that it is a person who has his name. Okay, right? that that person is real, uh -huh. and that as he grows more and more uh, angry at this person and obsessed with them, he sees them like becoming him more and mm -hmm. more. But the person is not doing that. Yeah, so, like that is not happening, right? Yeah, and so he is delusional, and so he is seeing so that like when he that's why he says like no one else thought he was doing an impression right. of me and that's why and so i think that more and more he comes to, and so maybe there is no second jacket because he says i draped that one over mine unnoticed unnoticed and so it's like okay so the other people in the room didn't see you had two jackets yeah yeah i think that too or i think maybe he never even had that one that was on his that's arm that's what i'm saying yeah it's like, there was no second jacket yeah, that was, was the only delusion. jacket the one that they picked up and yeah. so like i think that Everything that happened after he left was all a delusion to him. And so yeah. it was him seeking more and more because he talks about as his delusion, as his, as he sunk more and more in depravity, he became more and more confident that he could kill the good part of him, the person who was yeah. trying to stop him. Which he was like conceptualizing, as, but it was as, that, that person. As the nice William yeah. Wilson, as the good William Wilson. Yeah. And so I think that he, Maybe he actually did kill somebody. And maybe it was just that guy. But it was just, or it was just somebody. Yeah, I think maybe he killed a guy. But it was all delusional, or it was just a mirror that he was looking at, and he was delusional. So yeah. I don't think, maybe in that moment, he didn't actually kill someone. But I think once he looked at the William Wilson sleeping, he didn't see him ever again after that. Yeah. But it was always never in his again. head that stopped him from doing it, and it was his conscience, which he saw as the good form mm -hmm. of himself. Yeah, because it was every time he was like doing something very terrible that he would show up. Yeah. And be like, hey, he's doing this. Yeah. Um, but so it, it here's the thing, y'all. 
it was a Tyler Durden scenario. It was. It was. Listen, it was a Tyler Durden scenario. We did kind of call that. Yeah. That was a three-pointer. I'm we pretty got proud. That. I'm pretty Half proud. court line. We got that. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Well, that was a fantastic story. Thank you so much for, for reading it with thank me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, would you have anything you would like to plug? Um, yeah, you can find uh, links to My Brother, My Brother, Me, Adventure Zone, Schmanners, and all my other podcasts at McElroyShows.com, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y Shows.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Travis McElroy. Great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for uh, getting a little bit of your uh, culture with us. Um, if you could leave us a kindly review on Apple Podcasts, that's the thing that helps our show the most. And we are still new, so that really matters right now. Um, thank you so much for listening. And keep it lit. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm. Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.